Hi, I'm Kayla Bryn, your host of Discovering the Balance. Today is Sunday, June 13th, 2021, and this is episode 9. I'm recording from, of course, inside Diesel Dolly the Truck, and this week I am in Pinedale, Wyoming. So in this episode, I am going to continue to share my own personal story. And in this episode, I'm going to share about what my overall approach has been over the last few years towards health and what I view health to be now. And then the rest of the episode is going to be dedicated to an experience we had this week like none other and it was completely unexpected it was the green river drift and it happened right in front of our campground this past friday so it is a lengthy segment and it actually steals the limelight for this episode but i think once you listen you will totally understand so without further ado let's go ahead and jump in So in the first two episodes where I shared personally about my own story and journey and really just sharing like what happened and how did I get to be the person that last summer so quickly said, yes, like let's sell our stuff, let's travel this country and live full time in an RV. Like how did I get to be that person? Because if you've met me along the way, it might surprise you. I mean, it surprises myself even to this day. So how did I get there? Well, I've been sharing about how it started with my diagnosis of PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, and how that really made me start to realize that diet culture had really failed me. It had not taken into account um, any other health other than my physical health. And it had really played, um, or it had really taken a big toll on me mentally. So it was with this diagnosis that I started to leave diet culture and really start to um, try to heal the relationship that I had come to have with my own body. I did not speak kindly of my body. I had a very terrible body image and I definitely did not fuel my body for the exercises that I was doing. So in the second episode, I shared where I went to after the diagnosis, which was to a nutritionist. And for this episode, I really wanted to share what my overall approach has been. I probably will still share in somewhat of a chronological order of my own story as that kind of just makes the most sense. But obviously where I am today is very different from where I was just a few years ago. I was 100% consumed with what I weighed on the scale three plus years ago. And now today, I really, yes, I do struggle with body image still. I, I don't know if I will ever completely overcome it, but I am way more concerned with my mental health, my hormonal health, um, and then my physical health. I realize now that the mental and the hormonal health, they really have to come first um, before you can be in like optimal physical health. Now, I, I am healthy. I mean, we are hiking, we are adventuring. I am so thankful for the body that I have. But I'm also very aware of other signs of health. And for me with PCOS, 
um, it's simply a hormonal imbalance. And so in our culture with our medical system, the answer for PCOS is to take synthetic hormones, which is birth control. And that does not give you a cycle that just gives you a fake bleed. It completely suppresses all of your own hormones. Um, and you're not actually having a cycle. Um, so that was the answer for the irregular periods. And then of course, with the cystic acne, spirolactone was prescribed. Um, and then also for the insulin resistance that comes with PCOS, metformin was prescribed because that is sometimes helpful. So all of the symptoms were being treated, um, but nothing of the underlying causes, like nothing getting down to the root issue and approaching that and saying like, can we heal that? So this is where I say that like, you are your biggest advocate. Like you can take your health and really say like, I, I am going I'm going to be my biggest advocate. I'm going to love myself and I'm going to see how I can get myself to the healthiest version of myself. And that's really what my focus is today. Um, and that is again, like physical, I would say comes number, number three, um, for me with PCOS, you know, having a cycle for a woman is a vital sign of health for a woman. And so not having one really says that like something is awry. And for me, that's my main focus. Like I seed cycle, I do all sorts of weird things and continue to try to grow my own education as to things that I can try to regulate my own cycle. And that's not with the help of any other doctor. I can tell you that it was about a year plus into this journey where I, I at this time, if you knew me personally, like I was on fire, like my, I had reclaimed my faith. I knew that like God was calling me to something larger and definitely within the community. So my entrepreneurial spirit was coming out and like going crazy. Like I had ideas for days and big, big dreams, but it was about a year and a half after the diagnosis that I realized I had gone almost five months without a period. So I went back to this same OBGYN and I was prescribed a medication to jumpstart my period. And it was basically a boost of hormones. And for two weeks, I completely felt like I was not myself at all. So I went back to the OBGYN and they told me that anytime that I were to go more than four months without a period, that I would need to take this medication to jumpstart my period. I told them of the terrible reaction that I had, and that was just what it was. Well, at this time, I had already made the appointment finally to see Danny Williamson. She is an integrative um, practitioner in Franklin, Tennessee, and I had heard of multiple people going to her and her being able to heal the actual causes of what their symptoms were, um, which obviously alleviated those symptoms, but it also healed the root cause. So I had already made an appointment with her and I remember telling my OBGYN at the appointment that I planned to go see this doctor because again, this OBGYN told me you just need to take birth control. <laughs> 
And so I said to the doctor, I said, I'm actually going to go see uh, Danny Williamson. And of course they were familiar of who she was. And the doctor just looked at me and said, like, you're just going to waste a lot of your money. Like it's not going to work. So I don't want to jump in the story by any means, but I just want to tell you that like, if I had believed what they told me, um, I wouldn't be where I am at today. So I can tell you on a really personal level that most people are probably not wondering about. Um, in 2019, I think I had four cycles and in 2020, after seeing Danny Williamson in October of 19, um, I had nine. So you know what? <laughs> it is possible. Um, I, I don't think that doctors have ill intent. I just don't think that the education has been there for them. And I could go on a long tangent about our healthcare system and then subsequently our insurance, health insurance, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. But I will just say that like, I have had to take complete ownership in my own health. I have had to relearn what it means to listen to my own body. And in 2018, that was completely foreign to me. I remember being at different points and just asking, asking anyone, like, I don't even know what my hunger cues are. Like I have suppressed them for so long that I don't even recognize them. And when it comes to like different types of food and eating, I didn't even recognize my body telling me like, I don't actually like that food. Like that does not set well. So it has been a daily process of growing each and every day. And where I was three plus years ago is definitely not where I'm at today, but I never want to come across like, Oh, I've got it all figured out. And I guess that's my beef with a lot of people, um, who go through a season and then want to be the expert and tell everybody like, oh, this worked for me. You just need to do this because it's just not the case. <laughs> I can tell you that whenever I went to see Danny Williamson and had extensive blood work, it became very apparent to me how uniquely each one of us are made and how the impact of our life, the stress that we carry, all of those different things play a toll on our health. And it, you really have to take an approach, a unique approach for each and every person. And that's why I think we are all our greatest assets. Um, getting back in tune with our own self, um, starting to listen to your own body. It is such a beautiful process and it's not easy. Um, I struggle with it still. And lately I've really had to um, kind of be more aware of, you know, the impact of us traveling. Like we are busy back to back to back. And for me with my energy, I, I really have to be intentional about taking time to take care of myself. And I am a woman in our culture. And what I mean by that is that our nature, for some reason, the norm is to take care of everybody else and then if we happen to have some time to take care of ourselves, then we do it. And that's just not correct. 
I often think of the image um, and the reminder that I've been told in different therapy that like you have to secure your oxygen mask first before helping anybody else, before helping your children, before helping your husband, before helping anybody. So that would be my overall approach. So if I am going to give a summary of, you know, where I am at now, Um, I try to daily remind myself that I have to take care of my own self, um, that the better that I take care of myself, the better that I can take care of everybody around me, my husband, my son, and then all of my friendships and, you know, each role that I play in different people's lives. So that is my approach. Own your own health. Um, You are your biggest advocate and secure that mask before you help anybody else. So we arrived here on Tuesday and it is a family run, um, RV campground and really, really, really sweet. Um, the owners are just incredibly, incredibly kind from the moment we got here and we were really excited. We are here for the Grand Tetons National Park and had decided that we would do two days. It's about an hour from where we are at. So it's not like just a hop, skip down the road. So you're probably wondering like, why are you staying an hour plus away? Well, we, I'm not the trip planner at this point. This was Grams and Jeff planning, but they did a fantastic job because we just came off of doing Rocky Mountain National Park. We're headed to Craters of the Moon and Yellowstone this coming week. So it was nice to have a full week at one place and with only one big thing um, set in mind to do, which is Grand Tetons National Park. So the campgrounds that are in, um, like Jackson, Jackson hole, which evidently is the same thing, super confusing. Um, but in Jackson, which is about like 30 minutes from the grand Tetons, their prices are like a hundred to $140 a night. (laughs) No. Mm -mm. So we would have had to rush. Like that's where trip planning is very interesting and unique and very different from other types of like trip planning. Because when you're RVing, you know, a lot of the destinations that you're going to, how long you stay is dependent upon the price that you're paying. So if we were paying a hundred plus a night, we would have done two nights and we would have been like out of there probably, or maybe three nights at the most. But see, now we are at the rim station, which is out in the middle of nowhere. It is beautiful. And we only paid like $33 a night. So win for sure, um, gives us time to kind of just rest and take it easy. And then we can drive into the park on the days that we wanted. So speaking of, we had planned that we would go to the park on Friday and Monday. So it was very strategic. We, there was going to be really bad wind on Thursday, so we didn't really want to do that. Um, and we had been doing so many drive days that we didn't want to do it Wednesday because we had just driven Tuesday. Um, and then we really try to avoid national parks on the weekend, like with traveling in an RV, it's actually great to travel on the weekend because that's when all the destinations are the busiest anyways. So we really didn't want to go on the weekend. And so we just, and we didn't want to go back to back because it's, you know, it's an hour plus away. It's a lot of time in the car. So Friday and Monday is our plan. So Tuesday, we all get settled in. Grams and Pops are out walking and they come rip roaring, knocking on the RV because they have learned of something. (laughs) So we're finishing up dinner. They come inside and they're like, well, we were just talking to the owners and we, we've, we've got some troubles. (laughs) 
<laughs> she goes, um, she told them that on Friday we planned to go to the Grand Tetons and the owner said, mm, you might, you might want to reconsider, uh, the Green River Drift is coming through on Friday and last year it started about 6.30 a.m. and there were still cattle on the road around 8 p.m. And so Jeff and I are just kind of like looking at Graham's and we're like, what? And she's like, I know, I know, I don't know much about it either, but evidently all these cattle get moved from like what is considered like the desert land in the summer of Wyoming up to the forest in Wyoming. And it's like a 60 mile path for some of these. And so it's been going on for a month, but right in front of our campground on highway 191 on Friday, he was like, it's coming through. Like you will hear them. Some of the cows will like come down into the campground. And so we're all just kind of looking at each other. We're like, what? this sounds really crazy. And also really, really cool. So we just leave it at like, okay, well, we'll have to pivot and we'll have to replan. And a lot of our plans get like set in stone because of Annie. So we had already set up Annie to be at a doggy daycare for Friday and Monday. And so at this point we were like, well, maybe we'll like try to see it in the morning and then still go. We were very up in the air. So by the following day, Jeff and I had had conversations about it and we were both on the same page. Like, no, we need to pivot. Like if there's going to be cattle like a real life cattle roundup. Oh, and they said that there were going to be like 40 plus cowboys or girls. Like what? I'm not missing this. Like, I don't care what the Grand Tetons have. We can go there another day. So by Wednesday, we had decided we rescheduled Annie to go on Saturday, which ugh, I know national park on a Saturday, but we knew we wanted to get there really early. If you talk to anyone about the Grand Tetons, they say, go to Jenny Lake. And then if you ask them like details about it, they're like, oh, you should be there before nine. And it's like, okay, well, when you're coming from an hour plus away and you have a dog to drop off, like that's really early. So we knew Friday we would not be able to get there that early with the cattle roundup. Um, so we just, we were like, all right, Saturday will be our very early morning. So Friday rolls around and there was a lot of excitement in my own in my own heart that built up to this. I had shared it with quite a few different friends on Marco Polo because <laughs> I was just so excited. But I was also like, okay, what if it doesn't happen? Like, what if it gets rescheduled or something like that? So Friday morning comes along and I woke up around like six or so. I was journaling at this point and I had only gotten like a paragraph or so into my journaling and I literally wrote, hold on, I need to check on the cattle. And so I opened the window and I looked out and I could see, like, we're kind of a little bit lower. I could see a cowboy and I was like, what? And so like I ran outside, I had already put on layers cause it was really cold, like really cold. Like it felt like 24 degrees outside. And so why am we, I mean like today our low is 40 and our high is like 80 something. So it definitely spreads pretty big. Um, so it was freezing. And so I ran out there and I was Marco. My first, my first thing was to Marco Polo, my dear friend, Kat, also a person I used to work with. And I was like, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> so excited. And you couldn't even really see the cattle cause I was like really down low. So I get up and it's the first herd. And so, I mean, I have never seen so many cattle in my life 
much less all together and all roaming free. I mean, they're just out on the open road. I will post pictures. There is like a gated like guard almost that like goes a lot of the miles that they have to travel like many, many miles. And it's really cool because on their website, Green River Drift, um, they say that a lot of the barbed wire used is reused bar barbed wire from World, World War One, because this Green River Drift, it dates back to like the 1890s. Like how crazy is that? It's so cool. So we see the first herd, um, or I see the first herd. I hear my mom, she screams from her camper. She's like, the cattle! And I'm like, yes, come on, let's go. And so within a few minutes, we're all up at the campground with a few other campers. We're all in our PJs and we are just blown away. Like how many cattle there are and how sweet the mamas and the babies are. Oh my goodness so many mamas and babies and they were getting separated. So already my heartstrings are starting to be pulled a little bit. So we're there. The end of herd one is like kind of trailing behind and you can see another herd way down about maybe a half mile down the road. And so at one point, and this is the reason why it took so long the la last year is at if, if they turn, like if some of the cows turn, turn back, then they all turn back and they all start running back. So all of a sudden, like in front of the campground, there's one herd of cows that were supposed to keep going, but they turn back. And then another herd of cows that is like running towards it. So all of these cows are running towards each other and then they meet up together with one another and they just stop and they're communicating. Like the moos that they are mooing, Oh my, I started crying. It was like the story in my head was that these were moms, mama cows, and they had lost their babies and they were asking these cows, like, have you seen my babies? And so I started crying, like legit just started crying. I'm recording, but I'm crying. And so <laughs> they get all sorted out and they're all kind of going the right direction. And that herd, you know, makes it past us and we can see this other herd that's going to be coming our way, but they are quite literally like the traffic is just a mess. The roads have not been closed. So cars are just trying their best to make it through. I, like, I can't even imagine, like if you didn't expect this coming and you were just like bebopping along the road and all of a sudden thousands of cattle are roaming free on the road, I'd be like, what in America is going on? Like they should have a sign that says, this is the Green River Drift. You should Google it. It's kind of cool. Like, why not do a sign like that? How hard is that, right? Anyways, many, many people are probably still confused as to what happened to them on Friday. So we see the end of herd, um, the herd one going through and we're like, okay, let's go get, you know, like some hot cocoa and some tea and, you know, have a few minutes to warm back up in the rig and get back out here for the show. So we go back to the rig, we do all of those things and we come back out. I would say it probably took about an hour for this other herd to make its way through. It was just, it was so, so cool. Never have I wanted to be a cowgirl more than I did on Friday. And I have still requested to watch Toy Story with a Jesse in it. Like either Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 3, whichever. I don't even care. Um, or 4, I guess. Because isn't that the, yeah, there's 4 now. Weird. 4 was not as great. Anyways, that's not the subject. So, it was just really cool to see how these people live a completely different life. I mean, 
Meanwhile, a few months ago, they were covered in snow, like covered in snow. And now it's this beautiful green landscape. And here they, these cowboys and cowgirls are just rounding them up and moving them from the desert land to the forest for the summer. And they said, so of course they're all tagged. And these farmers or these ranchers, yeah, ranchers, not farmers. These ranchers um, pay a fee for their cattle being in the forest, but it does also help the forest because all of the cattle are going to be eating like the low-lying grass, which if there were to be a fire, that would greatly help with ceasing the fire. So it's it's really beautiful to just see how different parts of this of, of this country, like the same country that each and every one of us for the most part live in, um, how different life can be, you know, like the things that you never ever hear of or would hear of that are just something that happens every single year, like clockwork. So it was said to us that, you know, all of the cattle will go into the forest and as it gets cold in the fall, they will naturally migrate back and then they will be guided back to their destinations and the ranchers will see how many the bears got. Like what? No. Oh, we were told that the mamas and the babies do reunite. Like if they get separated, which they definitely did because at the end of the herd and I'll, I'm going to try to post these videos that are, they're kind of long, um, but it's so cool. But at the end of the second herd, it was just hundreds of calves. So it's like heartbreaking to be like, where are their moms? Um, but they told us that they, they find one another and Jeff and I actually, <laughs> Jeff and I actually jumped in at the end and we can attest that they do like they have a great ability to be able to find one another. So once the herd, second herd passed us, um, Grams and Pops and Riley, they all headed back to the rig and Jeff looked at me and he was like, I kind of want to follow them. Like, do you want to walk with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I, it was such a high that I was like, yes, I don't want this to end. So we start following them and we meet up with the, um, the wife that owns the, this property, um, Jackie. And so we're walking with her and they are ranchers. They have been, um, they're new to this area only about a year, but they are, they're ranchers. This, this is their lifestyle. And so their daughter, um, she was actually one of the cowgirls that had, you know, she was just like contract work, like they needed help. And so she helped out. Um, and so we're walking with her learning more about like this lifestyle and all these different things. And she was like, well, do you want to help, um, be the gate? you know, like y'all can help be the gate for us. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And she was like, so if like a cow comes at us, we're going to spread out. We're going to put our arms up and we're going to try to turn them. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so <laughs> like, what do you mean turn them? I'm like, are we like flipping that? Like, what do you mean turn them? Evidently that's the turn. The <laughs> That's the term when you're like, when they're coming towards you and you want them to turn the other way, you're trying to turn them. And evidently it's really hard to turn a cow. <laughs> the babies are, uh, the calves are a little bit easier, um, at, from experience, <laughs> but with my one head to head with a bull, uh, I lost, uh, and I, I let him go. I was like, okay, you win go on. So yeah, we continue to walk down and anytime a little baby calf would get turned around and start heading towards us, we would spread out. We would put our arms up or our jacket up. We would start yelling. There's a picture. I will post an action shot that Jeff got of me with my arms up. We were doing yas. I mean, 
we really, we really owned the lifestyle. We really owned this new title of cowboy cowgirl. I mean, it was a great pair. It was fantastic. It was so fun. There was so many cars, were so many cars on the road and they kept stopping and like telling us like, Hey, there's two baby calves back there. And we're like, oh, okay, thanks. And Jeff and I look at each other and they're like, they think we know something. <laughs> And we know absolutely nothing. So we continued to help out until they got around a corner. And there, I mean, there were like six or seven um, that had calves with them. And so at that point, she was like, they're they're not. Like, we, we can't stop them. We can't even stop one um, full-grown cow, much less, like, quite a few. And she said that's what they'll do the entire day. Like, they will get the hurt, like, the majority of them down to the forest and into it and then they'll spend the rest of the day um you know hurting up the rest of them and a lot of them will actually get um taken down by a trailer so super 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 cool i can't even i can't even describe it adequately so we come back to the um convenience store and hang out with the husband and wife a little bit longer and having a good conversation and jeff yet again brings up getting the cowboy hat okay so our time in texas and after we got howdies we Jeff also felt like he needed the cowboy hat like that time needed to come and we've looked at them in a lot of different places we were recommended to go to green Texas by some friends and they had a very proper like hat shop cowboy hat shop and we looked but uh, like, just didn't know what we were doing we probably would have paid an arm and a leg too so we're inside the C store which is what they call them out here they don't they don't spell out convenience store they just write C store which is kind of cool um, so we're hanging out in the C store, talking with them, just, you know, different questions and whatnot. And Jeff says to Brent, the owner, he's like, I really like your, your hat. Like, where can I get a, where can I get a hat like that? And he's like, oh, well, this is my lucky hat. I've had it for like 30 years. And so we mentioned that we were thinking about checking out Jackson later in the day. And I was, we asked like, is there somewhere to go there? And he's like, oh, you're going to pay a million dollars if you buy a hat in Jackson. And they're like, what you need to do is go to the cowboy shop in Pinedale and see Bob. And Jeff was like, oh, well, I actually went to the cowboy shop just the other day. I saw him, but you know, I didn't really know what, I don't know what I'm doing. And he was like, you need to see Bob. Bob will shape it. He will fit it. He will cut it. Like he will make sure that you have the very best fit for your head and that you love it. And we were like, okay, I mean, what better day to get cowboy hats <laughs> than the day that you can literally say that you helped wrangle cattle. I mean, that's, a, that's an opportunity you have to seize. Like, you have to, right? So <laughs> we go back and we tell Grams and Bobs, we're like, eh, we don't think we're going to do Jackson today. We're going to go back to Pinedale. Um, I had been working on Wednesday when they all went to Pinedale. So I had kind of had some FOMO too of missing out. Um, and plus I love, I love a small town. Um, not too small of town. Like, mm, I'll have to be more specific in other podcasts about what kind of towns I mean. Um, but it's a smallish town. And so we went to Pinedale and sure enough, it's called the cowboy shop or maybe just cowboy shop. Um, and we go in and Bob is there and man, Bob was the jam. I mean, I'll post pictures. He had a little podium set up with a little steamer. He helped Jeff pick out the perfect hat, the perfect color. And Jeff didn't really love the, like the brim. He was like, it's just really way too big and whatnot. He was able to cut 
all of it there. He seemed it to have like the front pinch instead of like the big side pinch. Just really, really cool, cool process. I also picked out a hat. I did not get, um, I did not pick out a hat like Jeff picked out. Like his is like true, true, true cowboy hat. Um, I don't even really know what you would call mine, but it's a Stetson. We both got Stetsons. So very proud moment for us. So it's just a souvenir that we will probably keep for the rest of our life. And I love being able to purchase something and be able to have such a clear memory. And I don't know, I will talk more about the hat, I think, because, you know, I've never seen myself being able to put on any type of like cowboy, cowgirl, anything, boots, hat. It just like, that's not me. And on Friday, when I felt myself and saw myself jump in so quickly and have so much fun and be so intrigued with this different way of living, I don't know. I just thought to myself, like, you can quite literally be whatever you want to be. And if I want to wear a cowboy hat, cowgirl hat from now on, I will. And so naturally, we went to the Grand Tetons yesterday and my entire outfit revolved around my hat. And I told Jeff that mm, all my future outfits might revolve around my hat because I love it. <laughs> I don't know why I love it so much. Maybe from the story and the experience from Friday, but I love it. And I have fallen in love with Wyoming. Um, Zillow and I are best friends and I look a lot on uh, different parts of the country and Wyoming is all of a sudden on the list. You know, but then we drive through signs yesterday going to the Grand Tetons that's like um, avalanche area from November 1st through May 1st or something like that. And I'm like, um, yeah, maybe not. Anyways, that is our story of the cattle drive. Green River Drift, if you want to look it up, they do have like an old school website, but it's super informative and it's just so, so cool. And be on the lookout. I will post those videos. Thank you so much for tuning in. This was such a fun episode to record and I truly do hope that it brought a smile to your face as you listened. Um, for us this week, we leave here on Tuesday. So we have another day planned in the Grand Teton National Park. Um, that'll be tomorrow. And then we travel Tuesday and we're headed to Idaho Falls. So we'll only be there for two nights. We're headed to see Craters of the Moon National Monument. And then from Idaho Falls, we go to Yellowstone. Stone. We are staying in West Yellowstone. This is the national park that Riley has been waiting for. I mean, he has talked and talked and talked about Yellowstone National Park and seen all of the bison. So super, super exciting week ahead. I've told Riley, I'm like, it's crazy. Two weeks from now, Yellowstone will be a thing of our past. Um, how quickly this trip is going is just, it's just kind of crazy. Life is fleeting no matter what. So I encourage each and every one of you go out and be a good neighbor, connect with somebody in your community and be a light. Um, tune in next week for episode 10 and I'll talk to you then.